Welcome to the Resilience Podcast. I'm Kobe Greer. The illicit drug methamphetamine, commonly known as speed, crystal meth and ice, continues to make headlines in Australia as communities grapple with its destructive effects. To speak more about the impact and the myths of ice specifically, I welcome Terry Slomp back to the studio. Welcome, Terry. Thank you. Terry is currently a clinical supervisor of the Access Wellbeing Services team and has a vast background in drug and alcohol field, both as a clinical supervisor and counsellor, working with individuals, couples, youth and families dealing with the negative consequences of drug and alcohol addiction. Terry is passionate about providing a safe, judgment-free space for individuals wanting to change their world and their lives. So welcome back, Terry. It's good to have you. Thank you very much. So let's kick-start this off. And there seems to be a great emphasis in the media lately around methamphetamine, ice particularly in Perth. Can you tell us a little bit more about this? Definitely, yeah. Um, And the media has been very, very strong lately. Um, In December 2015, the Prime Minister announced $300 million towards treatment, education and prevention of methamphetamine and ice. So they're taking it seriously. Mm -hmm. Um, We need to think, is this an epidemic? Is it, is it really, really big? Uh, because that's what the media is telling us it is. Um, and significant effects of this drug are really, really bad. Really, really bad. But it's interesting in terms of stats that have come out from the health department, uh, which show 70% of users are only are using less than once a month. 15% of users using once a month, and 15% are using more than once a week. So we've got to sort of make a judgment on, on is this epidemic or, or isn't it? But I think the jury's out on that. What is definite is the devastating effects of this drug. So what are the effects of ice? Yeah. So with ice, we know it's a central nervous system stimulant. So it has far stronger side effects than other drugs. Um, it, its effect on the person using is massive, massive euphoria. So there is increased energy, there is a heightened alertness, and uh, really, really impacts on, on behaviours. So that's a short-lived effect. After that, the withdrawals and the crash after the use is what is the major impact. Okay, so when it comes to ISO, you know, giving us those statistics, it sounds as though some people are very functional when on ice, Mm -hmm. whereas these um, there's others where you speak of these like highly devastating effects. Yeah. Um, So. And this is what I suppose the media tends to sensationalise and what we Sometimes, tend yeah. to see at yeah. times. Yeah. yeah. So I believe when it comes to ice, you know, it really has part of that devastation effect is around the brain activity. So 
Can you, because this is what really fascinated me in my research and speaking to you previously to this interview, if you can explain to listeners a little bit more about how it impacts sorry, the brain activity. Yeah, and this is one of the, the myths that's unknown. It's really important. And it helps people to logically understand what's happening with ice. So the main effect of ice is the effect on the dopamine and the production of dopamine from the brain. Now, we know dopamine is a pleasure chemical that the brain releases. So it's our feel-good uh, chemical that we, we organically produce through good occasions and things like that. But what ice does is it makes it 12 times more production than normal. So the euphoria is probably not enough to describe the increase in, in happiness and feeling so fantastic, 12 times more than the usual. So the brain's producing a lot in that instance. Again, it's a short-term gig because that then comes down to the major crash, but the brain activity is starting to be affected. So what happens is the brain then stops producing dopamine naturally. So the ability to actually feel happy in a normal situation becomes less and less. So afterwards, a person's feeling pretty down and, and, and really, really um, in that depressive kind of state, which adds to the addictive quality of this because they're feeling so down, they're more likely to go back and use again because they're feeling so terrible. But when I'm using ice, I have that feeling of euphoria and I'm starting to feel really good again. Right. This is the crisis. Okay, and the vicious cycle, I suppose. That's it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So when you speak about um, the brain coming to a time where it just doesn't produce any more dopamine, yep. Yep. is that... Like when you speak about the people who use, say, once a month. Mm. So it hasn't... Like, at what stage of someone's um, drug use does the brain start to stop producing dopamine? Is that only for the really heavy users or is it for also those who are functioning quite well and still holding down a job, for example. Yeah. yeah. It's important to understand that um, it's all an individual um, effect. So how it affects someone could, could be different. Now, someone could uh, use once and have a devastating effect. Someone could uh, use long-term and then start to feel the effects of this. But we know regardless of how often you use it, the dopamine production is affected. So that is going to be affected, and it does take, and, and, and this is what, what um, one of the myths is, a person thinks if they stop using, then I'm going to be okay. But the dopamine production does not come back to its normal rate until 12 to 18 months after the last time the person used. That's so significant. Isn't it? Isn't that? And this is what people um, need to understand that, especially if you've got a loved one or a significant other who's using, that person is going to be in that low mood state for quite some time, especially if they're at that high end of use. So it's going to take a long time for that person to start to feel happy naturally. 
And that would be a bit difficult for the person who who uses mm. um, where they may feel a sense of hopelessness yes. um, and feeling that sense, you know, I can't feel happy again. Yeah. So with this sort of information, knowing that this is a consequence of using but knowing that there's hope in, say, 12 months' time or 18 months' time that my that this is a biological reaction yeah. and that I can produce this dopamine chemical once again. Yeah. I, I find that that's such important. That's, yeah, that's a, a, a gem of information yeah. for drug users and their families and loved ones to know about. Absolutely. And to know that that, that low mood that they're feeling is a, a normal reaction to withdrawal. Right. So withdrawal's not going to be... Some people might think, oh, in a month, I'm going. To, it's going to be fine. You know, it's, oh, I haven't used for a month, I'll be all right. But when they go into, into the depressive kind of episodes and a really, really low mood, sometimes it's hard to understand. What's going on with me? Why do I feel so low? Maybe I just need to try that ice again to, to feel that, that heightened sense of, of euphoria again. Um, but if they can go and speak to someone and get some education about what's happening to them biologically, mm. then they can get a logical sense of what's happening and, and, try, and you know, try and understand what's going on. Yes. So, so say somebody's on their um, healing journey mm-hmm. and they haven't used ice for, say, nine months and they just had a really difficult day and they thought, oh, I'll just have um, another, I'll just have a bit of ice today. Another hit. Another hit, yep. yep. The lingo. And um, (laughs) (laughs) what would happen to their healing journey if if that's what somebody decided to do? And this is another one of the myths, which is really, really good that we bring it up. If someone was to lapse, and we're talking about a lapse now. True and go and have another hit again simply because they're in that really low, low mood, they go back to the start in terms of the healing and in terms of the dopamine production. So they've put nine months in of really, really good healing. But if they fall over and and, and use again, they go back to the start and then they have to start again in terms of the dopamine healing itself. So... When it's it's different to other drugs, for example, alcohol or cannabis and whatever, if you relapse on those, you can certainly um, get back on track quite, quite quickly. But with ice, it's quite different. You go back to the start and you've got to go through it all again. Because I've heard there's such a strong addictive nature to ice. Yeah. And that's just making so much more sense to me now Mm. as to why. Yeah. Which is why I think the government is is really looking at it closely and Mm. putting a whole lot of money into this because it's different to the other drugs. That that incredibly addictive nature of it. Um, I mean, in itself, it's not addictive, but the impact of and what the brain is doing, we can see how someone would go back um, because can't feel happy anymore. That's true. So how can we identify someone who's using ice? So is there a stereotype? It's really <laughs> difficult. And, and, look, there's no definitive way to do it. Um, the thing is, um, meth doesn't discriminate. It could be anyone. 
we know from stats coming out from the health department that there's a high prevalence in uh, 20 to 29 year olds. There's a high prevalence in the dance party scene. And it's quite high in both mining and hospitality. So um, it could be anyone in high business. People can be fully functioning. See, some of the effects when you're using ice, um, people can uh, go on for days without sleep. We have high, high energy levels, um, can really, really get a whole lot of work done, sometimes in high, uh, high stress uh, positions, you know, someone could be using ice to get through. Um, and uh, it, it can be difficult to actually say, is that person using ice without asking them? But then you get into that territory of judgment and shame when a person would get highly, highly upset and angry with you. And that leads on to uh, the other uh, hormone, um, noradrenaline from the brain, which is activated as well. And we know that's the fight-flight activation. And so that's when people get really angry really quick. And so uh, for family members or people trying to identify, is, is, is my loved one using ice and whatever, even in asking the question, we can actually evoke a really heightened response because the fight-flight response is so activated. People are so, you know, they're highly agitated within the ice-using period as well. So if you are surrounded by someone who's in this, it's, it can be really challenging to actually navigate and actually get to a point where you can help this person. Right, because I have... Um, I believe that people um, who use ice, their behaviour can be very aggressive mm -hmm. and unpredictable. Yep. So this is in regard to the noradrenaline yep. release? Yes. Right. And is it usually when a person is coming down yes. from the high? So this this is when that behaviour yep. is at its yep. worst, let's That's say. That's it. Uh, for example, if someone's used last night yeah. and they're coming down the next day, you can find them coming into huge withdrawals in terms of high reactivity. Um, anxiety levels through the roof, um, even panic. People can have panic attacks. Um, we, can, we have to bring depression into it as well because if someone is already on the depressive side and, and suffering from that, that will be elevated as well. So everything um, in terms of those negative um, things happening to a person are elevated also. Um, the agitation on the withdrawal and on the come down is really, really high. And, you know, you see on the media some, uh, you know, footage of, of people who are obviously coming down highly agitated. You hear from hospital workers who are dealing in ED, people coming down, and they're highly, highly aggressive, and that's because of the noradrenaline. That, that's highly, highly activated in this time. So you can imagine feeling really, really angry on your come down, but then no, no dopamine levels to be produced to actually feel at all pleasant or, or, or good. So you're, in, you're trapped in this world, um, which is why this is getting a whole lot of attention. Yes. Mm. Okay. That, so is it impossible to quit, like, in your career in drug and alcohol field? Is, I... I um, have seen some wonderful examples of people putting in the investment time to, to quit. And I have to say, it is possible. 
Great. Absolutely. And I want to give hope to our, our listeners as well. And again, um, on, on resiliency, there it is absolutely possible to do so. It takes time, patience, and it takes really, really um, a whole community around to support the person. Um, remembering the 12 to 18 months, remembering if there's any lapse at all, we go back to the start. But there is definitely definitely a way to actually navigate territory to get off ice. It could be a detox situation, it could be going to a rehab centre or it could just be really, really with the help of your family and your friends just getting through it and just getting some education around understanding what's happening, as you said, biologically. Understanding, yeah, I'm feeling low today. I'm really feeling low, but that's okay because I know what's happening in my body now. So then you can, for want of a better term, normalise what, what's happening to you, get through and just know 12 to 18 months, this is going to take some time. What that person will need is understanding, patience, support from people around them, and also to understand that there will be a time of depression. And, and it's also a good time to enlist a GP to be involved, to monitor that depression and low mood because dopamine production does come back. It comes back. It is not dead. It, it, it's, it's, it's just severely depleted. Again, it's an individual response, but it does definitely come back and there is absolute hope that we, we, we can get through this with our significant other loved one um, with some support and as I said, the amount of money being put into this by the government, they're serious because this is really, really a different drug to the others. Mm, okay. So just to summarise our session today, Terry, which has been so, um, yeah, such an important message to get out into the community, um, what should a person do? And I know that you've touched on some of this anyway, but if they have a problem with us or if they know someone who does. Psychoeducation sounds so important as a start, but what else do you think um, listeners would need to do or prepare themselves for? I think the um, first thing to know and to take in very, very strongly is this is not a life sentence. This is not a life sentence. It, the brain will return to its natural abilities. It's just putting some investment in to actually heal um, on all different levels, on emotional levels, on physical levels, on relational levels as well. You know, the, the impact is widespread, not only for you, not only, but also the family and your friends. But it's just going to take some time, some patience, and um, you'll get through it. Mm, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Well, thanks again for your time, Terry. It's always wonderful talking to you. And um, is there any helpline at all, actually, yeah. that people can um, contact if they need some support? Absolutely. The government actually has there's the meth helpline, which is um, an 1800 number. Um, so that's definitely available, which we can put on the website. So. Fantastic. We'll do that, definitely. Thanks again, Terry. Thanks, Kobe. Mm -hmm.